Peace, family, and thank you for tuning in to Understanding the Nursing Game podcast. Many people are looking for financial help while in college. I would love to present the Thelma Lee McKenzie Nursing Scholarship. It was designed for nursing students at the University of South Alabama. You must have a 3.0 GPA and have graduated from a high school within Washington or Clark County in the state of Alabama. If anybody have any more questions about this scholarship, please call Rebecca Baker at 251-341-3721. Peace, family. We back on again. Understanding the nursing game with Barry Coleman. My role partner, Miss Shawana, she's missing in action. She had to go to work today. So, hey, for all the record folks, I'm going to pull up a glass of wine for y'all. But I do have uh, Mr. Malcolm. He'll be, uh, he was on a previous uh, episode and he'll be, he'll be my co-host today. How you doing, brother Malcolm? I'm doing pretty good, brother. How you been? How you been? Uh man, it's been a it's been a good deal, man. Uh, been a busy week for me. Uh, I've been rigging these jobs, man. I I like working. Don't like working. I don't blame. You. I, I, I like working. Yeah, I, I always turn around and have another job every day. I gotta find me a way to make some money. <laughs> when I'm uh, when I'm not there, uh, some some kind of way, I gotta come up with a scheme, man. That's true. And give me some Let's easy money. Introduce our guest, which is Doctor Butler from I. Undergrad years down at USA in good old Mobile, Alabama. How you doing, Dr. Butler? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to see you guys. It's been years. Yes. Y'all were one of the first group of students I ever taught, so I like to think I've come a long way. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, me either. When did y'all graduate? 2013. Yeah, 2013. So I became full-time and started teaching in the classroom in 2011. So, hey, y'all. Oh, so we, we're a product of your teaching. Yes. Well, hey, hey, as they say now, you know, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. Your tree must yep. be good. All right, because look at my fruit. Y'all doing that's what I'm talking things. About. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, hey. So, hey, Dr. Butler, I want to know where you're from. We're going to start off with something easy. Where you from? So, I claim Louisiana. We moved a lot when I was growing up with my dad's job. But I went to high school, middle school, high school, and college in Louisiana. So I claim Lake Charles. Lake Charles. Where, where is that exactly? That's what? So, New Orleans? No, it's by Texas. It's like 45 minutes oh. from Beaumont, Texas. So if you took I-10 straight, you come to mm-hmm. New Orleans, then Baton Rouge, then Lafayette, and the next city is Lake Charles. Okay. Okay. What university that close? did you go to? Hmm? What university did you go to? So I went to college in Lafayette. It's UL Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. Okay. okay. Well, I know that. Yeah. How did you get the mobile? I know. Right. So when I was there, I majored in biology. So that was my first degree. And when I graduated, you have a sister that's two years younger than me. So we had an apartment. My parents moved to Mobile in 1998. I'm telling my age now, you know, let's not talk about numbers. Okay, so my parents moved, <laughs> they moved to Mobile like my junior year of college. And then my sister came to college with me. And they moved from my dad's job because they're originally from Georgia and Florida. And so they've been living in Texas, Louisiana, and that was the closest they could get back to home. So they took the transfer. We didn't realize that, you know, I graduated. I didn't have a job. So my parents were like, we're not paying for your apartment anymore. You have to move to Alabama. And I was like, no, because what do we learn in textbooks and history about Alabama? <laughs> it's not where you want to live. Yeah. So that's how I got here. And 20 years later, still here. Still here. Okay. Then still you most here. like it then. Yes, it's a good place to raise a family. I have kids now, and so it's a good a good environment to raise children. It's not too crazy, close to everything. So, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to say this now. Most people, especially from out here, oh, man, they hear horror stories of down south. Give some people um, some uh, experiences of being mm-hmm. down south. What, what's, the, what's the good and the pros and cons of living down south? Tell, tell the people. So I think the pros, you have a lot of people, like we're just real friendly in the South. You know, people don't look at you crazy. 
Now, I'll tell you, it's a big difference from Louisiana to Alabama. I didn't think it would be, but I had some serious culture shock when I left there and came here. In Louisiana, I feel like people are a little friendlier because you're walking down the street and you're just like, hey, how you doing? And they just speak back. Like, everybody speaks to everybody, no matter what's going on. Here, mm-hmm. people speak, but it's mo- more or less like we know each other. We run in the same circle. You don't just speak to strangers. You do. They look right. at you like, what are you talking to me for? But mm-hmm. overall, I feel like everybody's really, huh? What'd you say? I ain't say that. I just went to laugh. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, people are really friendly in the South. It's kind of laid back down here. People aren't too uptight, like big city living, like where Malcolm lives. I know I've been there. It's like hustle and bustle all day long. All day. <laughs> So you can get out of the city, back to the house, then you can relax. And then we're close to everything. You know, you have access to everything you need right here. Beaches, you know, big cities are close by, but you can still have that small town feel and still be close to big city. So that's what I like about being in the South. And the food, of course, is amazing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Barry, Mm -hmm. you're out there now. You don't get all of our Southern cooking anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The the food out here is uh, hit or miss. To me, it's horrible in comparison. It's the reason why there's a lot of beef folks in, uh, in down south in comparison to the West Coast. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, West Coast, West Coast, everybody out here like to eat salads and all that kind of stuff. That's good for you. Don't get me wrong. Man, I want some fried. Yeah, I, w- I want some, uh, I like some fried chicken. Give me some t- some Tabasco some sauce. Yeah, yeah some green. <laughs> hey, hey, you got to give me some Tabasco sauce, some Louisiana, every drop is hot or some whatever hey. they look saying. Uh. Hey, man. <laughs> I got hey, I I like that kind of living belt on, but um Yeah. Yeah. What got you into nursing? So it's funny because I told you my first degree was in biology because since I was mm-hmm. a kid, I was wanted to be a heart surgeon, like forever, my whole life. So I went to college and I did that, like majored in biology, pre-med, all of that. And as I was taking those classes, I was like, this just isn't as fun as I thought it would be. But I, by the time I realized I was already a junior so I wasn't going to change my major and pretty much have to reset and the whole time my mom was like you should just do nursing that way you have a backup plan I was like I'm not going to be a nurse I'm going to be a cardiac surgeon listen to your mama your mama's always right (laughs) (laughs) so I graduated I moved here and I was like okay well now I have to do something so I could have applied to medical school but then I would you know I had to go back and do more stuff before I could apply so I went and worked at an eye doctor's office I was like maybe I'll just go to optometry school that was the most boring thing I've ever done in my life I was like I would not I could never live like this. So I actually applied for some teaching jobs in high schools for biology teachers. And I applied to nursing school at the same time. I was like, okay, whatever happens, that's what I'm going to take. So I got called as an admission from nursing school. The next day I got a call for a teaching position. So I was like, nope, I said, whichever comes first, that's what I'm doing. And so that's how I went into nursing. And I'm glad I did because I have absolutely loved this profession. Love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I believe God has a path for us. Being a cardiac surgeon just wasn't my path. Maybe I'm making a bigger impact this way. I don't know, but I wouldn't trade it. When you got into nursing, what did you like about it? So once I be- actually became a nurse, now we not when you say got mm-hmm. into, if you talk about nursing school versus actually practice, well, I two I, different- allow, <laughs> right, right, it's two different things. Allow me to uh, clarify myself. Once you became a nurse and you was by the bedside, what did you like about it? So I was an ER nurse. That was my background, trauma emergency. And every day I was excited to go to work because I was going to learn new stuff, see different things. And I loved helping people. Like that to me is number one. You know, in, in the ER, they come in in crisis. Malcolm, you work in the ER. You know, they come in in crisis. They were fine two seconds ago. Now they just had a wreck and they are on their deathbed. And so it's always things that are out of the blue. And sometimes when patients just look at you and they just thank you that you're even in the room with them. Like that just does something to me. It's not about, you know, who did the most this and that. It's just that caring nature. You know, through my time of being a nurse in the ER, I've had some ups and downs. I've learned some things. I've realized about some different biases that I had that I've had to let go of. Not that I knew I had them, but they became, they came to light working in that area. And you just never know what people's circumstances are. And so I don't know, opening my eyes to that and knowing that I can play a part in helping somebody's health, their life, even little things, just holding their hand because their family's not there yet. That means everything to me. That's what I like the most about it. I agree with that. I um, know to do well. I work in the operating room, but every now and then they ask me to do like some temperature check on the patients coming in or people that's coming in. And I got to see um, a lot of, a lot of potential patients um, 
when they first come in, man, they be under distress. I've seen a lot of um, a lot of traumatic um, things just doing the temperature check. I'll give you a great example. Like most time, when I see a patient in the emergency room, they just coming in. Um, most time, it's, it's nothing more than a lap after we, We're not really doing no big time story. Every now and then, we'll get a patient that had a car accident or things like that. We have to uh, kind of put them back together. But, uh, man, my hands out to them. I thought, you know, what I did was big, but they they come in and they kind of like patch people together. And a lot of times, people think about the physical form, or, you know, the physical reason why people come in, but more truly, it's an emotional side of the patient that the nurses have to deal with. And so um, sometimes, man, it's a, that's the reason why a lot of nurses burn out, man. Because um, emotionally, it just it just weighs on you, and yeah. you you still have you still have your own life going on. It just um, and then if you don't have an outlet, if you don't have an outlet after you deal with some of those things, that will tear you up. So you got to have a way to de-escalate after you've experienced some of these, you know, things that just don't make sense. We don't understand why it is that way, but sometimes, and you'll. I don't know when I say you, but people might see nurses like in the ER or whatever, and there's a lot of traumas and we might be laughing and goofing off, but it's not because we don't think this is serious. It's because you've got to have an outlet. You can't just be tight and stiff and trying to hold all that in all day. Of course, we wouldn't be laughing at the patient's condition. We may be laughing about something we saw on TV or, or where the money reside or something <laughs> like that. But during, it's during that time. So it looks like, you know, we're goofing off, but different outlets. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. This uh little platform that uh, Shawana and I have uh, developed, it's been like therapy for me. I didn't even. Know, it's a lot of stuff I'm just learning about myself that was that I had uh hidden deep within myself. And then um I mean just whatever everybody like got their own little thing to help them relax. Like me, I like to drink wine when I'm off of work. Shout out to uh Cambridge uh sellers. But um yeah, so uh, that, that's my thing. I, I like to drink uh, wine. I'm drinking this Sylvia Blanc. You drink wine, Dr. Post? I do. I sure what, do. What you, tell me what you drink now. Man, I don't drink all that fancy stuff because I, you know, I got kids. I can't go buy the stuff that's <laughs> sitting on the shelf for 25 years. I got to buy the stuff they just put out today. So oh, go ahead, my, go ahead. My favorite is Roscato. Have you tried that before? Roscato. Yeah, let me, hold on. Let, let me show you yeah. what the bottle looks like. Yeah, so sh- show me what the bottle looks like now. <laughs> Malcolm, you know what Roscado is, man? I think I do. If it's the one, if it's like in the, I think I do. Black yeah, bottle. Okay. Yes, that's Black it. Bottle. Like gold. Yes. Yes. That do is- you like that one too? Yes. Yes. You know, they have it at the Olive Garden. That's the first time I tried it. You know, they give you the little samples. Mm-hmm. I always say, mm-hmm. I always say, yeah, I want a sample. And I tried that and it is so good. They sell it in Walmart. Yep. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. Yeah. About, like twelve dollars, and they pay you paying eight nine dollars a glass at Olive Garden. Yeah. So yeah, that's my they, favorite. Uh, that's the only red wine I like. I haven't found another red that I like. All the others are whites that I drink. So have you ever had jam oh. jar? What is it? Jam jar? No. Jam it's a red wine. It's pretty nice as well. Jam's jar? Jam jar. I think that's jam jar. Jam jar. I have to look for it. Where do you buy that one at? Kroger or your local grocery store and like Walmart too. Okay, I'll look for that one. Jam jar. Hey, y'all teaching me some. I, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess being out here in the Bay Area, you're so close to Napa. I don't even well, know yeah, the name. Well, yeah, you're getting stuff. that good stuff. <laughs> Real I, you know stuff. what, Doc? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to send you some, uh, Dr. Butler. Uh, you okay say you that. like red? Can y'all see it? Oh, I've seen that bottle. Oh, I've never I see tried that. it though. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, you, you like white, you prefer white or red now. I need to know. White, white. White, okay. Yes. You you trying to get up in this day. I got you. The reds <laughs> be kind of heavy. Yeah, the reds are kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah they heavy on you. That's what I was drinking last night. That's why I was, I was, uh, I was uh, asleep. <laughs> A little incapacitated today. <laughs> yes, yes. But, uh, yes, uh, let's get back on the subject. See, I'm be, uh, I like this podcast, so we, we could just get off topic, you know, matter. We just have a casual conversation at the nurse, uh, what do they call it? The nurse's lounge. That's how there we you do go. It, yeah. Nurse's lounge. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Hey, I just started some nursing lounge right there. Mm-hmm. Brother Mama, yep. you got some questions? Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Dude, I'm actually trying to, I'm trying to pick your brain to see, do you remember some things from nursing school? Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know me. You know how I did, Barry, when I did it. So, yeah, I know. I know. That's why I went to laugh. 
Do you remember when you was teaching us, it was a group of guys who always try to give you a hard time. They will always want to ask you questions. So you'll teach us what's going on in school or what, like, for us to know as far as the tests and NCLEX. But they were always bringing, well, I've seen someone do this. I've seen yes. someone do this because you was teaching the GI um, lecture. And I'm like, why do you always ask me these questions? Like, let her teach you, give you information. And then you are always just like pop back at them. Just like, nope, that ain't right. Nope, what you doing? Nope, sorry. And I was just like, get them. Get, and you know me, I'm just sitting right there. And I remember one time you and Dr. Bolton, y'all was just like, they getting on our nerves. Like, they just doing the most, asking all these questions. And I was hitting it all. Like, y'all didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can hear us. Listen, listen, I was paying attention, but you know, I always had a second ear, a third right. ear. I was like, ooh, they get on their nerve. They ooh, they get in trouble. <laughs> but it was just like, it was just so much that you taught us in school. But I didn't know if you remember those things. When now that you mention it, I do remember. And I remember, I wonder if it was that same group, but every every semester when I would teach something, because at one point I started teaching cardiac stuff for adult too, <laughs> um, clinical, like EKGs and stuff. And there's always people that think, oh. I think in your class, they were paramedics, weren't they? Was the, I don't the, know. Were they medics or they rode on an ambulance or something? And they would always talk about, or they were military and they would talk mm -hmm. about, well, in the military, we did blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I kept, I remember, because I had to keep saying, well, we're talking about in the hospital. What you do out there in the field is not what we do here. But, you know, we can talk freely on here, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take okay. your shirt off. You know what I have learned along the way in being an educator in nursing and being a black female. For some reason, I just can't possibly know as much as white male counterparts. And so their mm. job is to try to make it look like they know more than I do, even though I've been a nurse for years. Like I've experienced that for so long. Doesn't really happen anymore, maybe because I'm older now, but when I started teaching, that was, I've been teaching 16 years now. So in the beginning, and even in clinical, I'd have my white male students that would try to, I guess, be intimidating, but I don't easily intimidate. So I would just go right back at them. I'm like you can fail or you can do what I'm telling you to do. Simple. But I have experienced that Malcolm in several situations, not just in that class, but it's always let me, let me try to make her look like she doesn't know what she's doing. Doesn't know what she's talking about. It, it, Sorry if I took that a different direction, but uh -uh, just brought it, back uh, a lot of other memories too. <laughs> no, we, me and Barrett, we had brought up last time about how, those same exact students when Barack had won, we had a presentation the day after. And, you know, me and him was like, okay, they want to be petty. So we came in in our black and our blue and we was just smiling from ear to ear. I love like, it. <laughs> and it was like, why y'all have, we just, you know, we feel a little bluish today with our blackness and going on. Because, you know, one of those same students, me and him got into it on <laughs> Facebook about me telling about, you know, Bill Clinton preaching or doing a, uh, one of the conventions or whatever. And so he tried to call me every bit of racist and I'm narcissistic. I'm like, you're mad because I'm supporting someone that you think is a Muslim, but yet you're supporting someone who believes in racism and white supremacy and all these other things. But right. you want to talk to me like I'm racist because I'm just saying Bill Clinton is preaching. Like, really, you got that from that? And ever since then, they did not care for me and Bear, especially me at all. Well, they good. Thought, we, don't, we don't need them in our life anyway. The funny thing about that day, we didn't even plan to come up in there uh, wearing the same outfit. Just you for some reason. We just, no, I didn't. I didn't. Awesome. Uh, I ain't test Malcolm that day. I'm talking about the very next day we came up. I had khaki pants on. He, kept, he had khaki pants on. And both of us had blue shirts on. Oh, it, just, yeah. it just worked out like that, man. Mm -hmm. That's well, awesome. I definitely want to give you your flowers right now because you are mm -hmm. the reason why I wanted to get into emergency medicine. I remember coming down to one of my um, rotations and, you know, they would always send us down to the ER or the ICU if we didn't have enough patients to go around. Mm -hmm. So the ICU would stick you. I like to stick you. But when I came down to the ER, it was just always that adrenaline rush and, you know, helping out. Granted, we can only do chest compression, but just to see how you all operate. And one piece of the advice that I, I keep to this day is that you a question is that, you know, you have a female who's coming in and she's having pain, her lower abdomen, and she's having bright red blood. And I was like, atopic? She's like, yep. And don't you know, I always remember that anytime I see any female with, you know, lower abdominal pain, possible pregnancy, and they had childbearing age, and there's bright red blood, and it's continuing. 
automatically think atopic pregnancy. And it just, from that teaching alone, just made me want to just be an ER nurse, then become an ER provider, because you, you're the one, you're the reason why I like the ER. I thought I wanted to do surgical trauma ICU, but just seeing someone of my skin tone who's in the ER, because when I used to go down there, it's like, it was only you. I may see some other black folks, but I didn't know if they were nurses or not because they were mm-hmm. have a different, you know, college because they didn't have a, you know, a uniform policy. But just you alone and also seeing you in class and see how you teach and do all these other things, that was the reason why I wanted to do ER as well as I'm doing like part-time lecturing and also a clinical instructor is because of who you are and what you provide for me as a student. Oh my, Malcolm. I'm literally tearing up. That means so much to me. You know, you don't get students that come back and say that. You don't know. You just hope that you impacted them. And that that really means a lot to me. Like, I can't even tell you. Thank you for that. No problem. Mm. Always. You Mm. just don't know. (laughs) You just don't know. Yeah, that's that's beautiful right there, man. Hey, I'm going to say this right here. Tell everybody what you do currently. What's your current position at the University of South Alabama College of Nursing, the best nursing program in America? Currently, I am the track coordinator for the adult gerontology clinical nurse specialist program for the master's and doctoral level. So I teach master's level courses and DMP courses, and I'm going to, my rank is assistant professor. So that's what I do. And I'm on a lot of different committees. Oh, this is something that's kind of cool too. Um, I'm the president of the Black Faculty and Staff Association. So that's something we, I don't know if y'all knew we had that or not, no, but we started no. that up. Let's see, I'm starting my second year of presidency. So we started this three years ago. The president of the university wanted this. And so we got together and with Dean Mitchell, y'all remember Dean Mitchell? The dean of students, dean, the only yeah. black dean, the only black yeah. dean we got. Oh yeah, I know him. I know tall, bald headed, yeah. Yeah, so tall, bald headed, nice man. Yeah. So he kind of mm-hmm. helped get things going and um, pulled some people together. And we started this association and I was the president elect for the first two years. And now I'm the president of the organization. So Wonderful. we're trying to make some big changes for our people on that campus. Yes. Let's meet it. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, with everything that's going on at the University of South Alabama, it is a change that's coming. It's gonna yep. be a slow. It's a it's a slow move now, but it's coming. It's, it's coming. A, um, and I think um, us we should make ourselves uh, more presentable. Make uh, allow ourselves to be a, a lot more accessible because um, it's going to be some new opportunities opening up for us to uh, to let our story be heard. Yep. So um, I know once you know once this pandemic is over a little bit more. I'll be on campus a lot more, and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care who I got to go talk to. You know, I can go talk to whoever it is, you know, and just make yourself accessible. Because uh, I, I think, I, man, before I got into the nursing program, shoot, I might have seen one other black nurse. You probably were the second one I'd ever seen. I was so scared back then. I ain't, I ain't want to do nothing. I was too scared to talk to people back then. I know. You were very shy. Enough. <laughs> man, too shy. Yeah. I ain't shy no more, though. I got to see. Say, I got to I'm this. like, wait a minute. This is Barry 2.0 right here. Exactly. I know this okay. Barry. <laughs> mm, hey, I, I'm reinventing myself. I'm, yeah. re- I'm reinventing myself now. I think it came from a childhood thing. I was, I used to have a speech impairment. So I was very quiet when I was growing up. And when I get into new environments, I'm, I'm very quiet, quiet, but I'm very observative. But now... Yeah. I guess I'm I'm more comfortable now. I've been forced out of my uh, comfort zone. I don't care nothing about nothing now. We hey, we can get it. We can get it now. Yeah, so that's a, that's my mentality. But uh, yes, let's get back to the to the main person here. All right. So, what would you tell someone that's want to get into nursing? It's hard work. So just make sure it's really what you want to do because. If you're going into it because your mom said you should or because ah, I might like it, chances are you may not be successful because most of us had that passion in us to begin with to be in healthcare or to at least help others. And if you're doing it for the money, this ain't the job for you because mm. while nurses make decent, I mean, we make decent, we can provide for our families and have a good lifestyle but you're not going to get millions. You know, there are a lot of days you're going to feel like you don't make enough for what you had to do today. (laughs) 
hashtag code brown, right? So I would just say that. And then for the people that are in school trying to get in, you know, just keep those grades up because all of that matters on the front end, getting into the program. And if you want to go back and advance your um, practice, you got to keep those grades up. I remember saying that I heard you say. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> all right, hey, you know what? I'm going I'm to rewind. Dr. Butler didn't say this. I just heard it. Okay. I just heard somebody, it in the classroom. Some random person. Yeah, somebody, somebody said, I don't know who said it, but, you know, it's just a saying. They said C equal R N. That's R-N. what we used to say when I was in school, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, C, C equal R N. Hey, yep. I'm passing. Hey, I'm good. I'm good enough. And yep. um, I, I'm, I'm going to say this from my understanding. A lot of time, man, the people, uh, the nurses that really just care about their job were the C students, the ones that didn't yep. really make all A's. The ones that make all A's, they they are not really by the bedside to be truthful. They yep. try to move on quickly. They try to move away from the bedside quickly. So, um, you know, a lot of time it be the C students that by the bedside, they show more compassion because they're more thankful for the position. Yep. They 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 um through their experience, you know, they had a uh, harder time, so they're more appreciative. Mm-hmm. So um a lot of times, man, just um they they just do a better job as a as a nurse when it comes to that. But uh yeah, so and you know that was true uh, in clinical too. Like the students that made mm-hmm. straight A's in the theory courses usually right. struggled in clinical because they are book smart, not right. Much common people. sense. They don't know how to talk Comes to people. Right. They don't know how to do a lot of that personal stuff that you need in order to be a nurse. Yes, they can recite right. a pharmacology book, but how's your patient feel about that? That medicine. Mm. What What do they think about it? I don't know. Do I need to ask them? Yeah, you need to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah, that's very I, true what you said. I'm, I'm gonna say this right here. Um, I know a lot of times with me, I don't know. It might be. I'm out here in California now, so it's a lot different than down south. But even down south, whenever I was taking care of patients, you know, I walk in the room, you know, it's almost like the air is soaked out of the out of the room as soon as I walk in. Hey, I come in, I introduce myself. Hey, my name is Barry. I'll be your your nurse for surgery or your for the operating room nurse. He's like, <gasps> and then I, I get to talking to him and stuff like that, and I crack a joke or two with him. And before you know, before we get ready to roll into the operating room, hey, we best buzz. Right. So, um, yeah. It just, uh, yeah, it, it just, uh, uh, especially being out here, more people are open minded, but at the same time, they still have their own ideals. People out here, man, it just uh, a lot different, especially they see me and I tell them I'm from the South. Oh, man, it's like it's a whole nother conversation then. It's like, oh, he got, he, he all right. He, he from the South. He got a good hospitality. They think about uh food and everything else. We we can talk about everything. <laughs> right. But um another question I got for you. This is like a question that young folks like to know, because me, I'm on this financial freedom on type deal. They like to know, you know, how much you make. How what's your salary like? So starting out, you mean starting out as a nurse or as a professor? Uh as a nurse or uh, and as a professor. Cause you know, somebody might start off as a nurse and then they might Say well, hey, Doctor Butler say, you know, oh, uh, you know, the salary this right here. Once we become a professor, that might encourage somebody to go back to school. So go yeah. ahead and, and explain. So, starting out as a nurse, you know, depending on where you are in the country, because everybody pays differently. Um, That's right. The south, the southeast tends to be lower on the pay side. <laughs> um, That's correct. Where you guys are working at, much more pay. Even though Malcolm, you're in the southeast, but you're in a big city, so. You know, they can expect to make, I don't know, maybe $25 an hour starting out basic. Now, working nights and weekends, you can get more money. You get paid more for different certifications, like if they have to have, you know, ACLS or whatever. And then national certifications, like if you become a certified emergency nurse, they pay you for that. They also pay you for the more education you have. So a nurse with an associate's degree in nursing isn't going to make as much as a nurse with a bachelor's degree. And then if you get an advanced practice, get your master's and doctorate, you get even more. Even if you're at the bedside, they still have to pay you for those degrees, even if you're doing the same job as a nurse that doesn't have the same level of education. So they still pay you. Now, they don't pay you what you would make in a job where you needed that degree. <laughs> they just give you an X amount of extra money because you have that degree. So I would say a new grad nurse might, around this area at least, 
50, 60, 50, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not 60, maybe 50,000 a year. Um, and then of course, after you've been there a year or so, you can travel and that's where you can make a lot of money. Did you guys travel? Um, no, I never I, got to do I, that either. I wanted to do it, but uh, I didn't, I didn't do it, but um. Uh... I will uh, say this. I know what what they do. I know the tactics of the travel nurse. So yeah. I, essentially, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of call myself as a travel nurse. I tell people that I am one. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I understand the, the tactics of it because I've seen it and I know exactly what they're trying to do when it comes to that. It's a, it's a good situation. Uh, we actually mm-hmm. will be talking to uh, two young ladies uh, later on you know, about travel nursing. So that'll be oh, cool. Good. That travel nursing is uh it's a good it's a good deal. A lot of times the nurses I see they are motivated. And most times they come out here with a with a uh, motive in mind. Most times they come out and they just want to uh experience something new. You know, they wanna see how nursing is somewhere else or better they just want to come from the scenery. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. they come out to the Bay Area just like a paid vacation almost. Right, and, right. Um, come out here. They just be. They just want to go everywhere. Like a lot of people, they want to go out to Napa. They want to go to San Francisco. They want to go out to Oakland. Oakland, low key, is a cool city. I love Oakland. Mm-hmm. But um, they go out there, man, and just experience life. It's just a uh, different thing out here. But that's a way hey. to get extra pay as a nurse. And then you go back to school. The more education you have, the more money you make. So, um, mm-hmm. like my trajectory, I started out with my bachelor's in nursing and so I was making like the base starting out nurse salary then I went back and got a master's in nursing and started teaching and if you're it depends on if you're at a university or if you're at a community college or one of these for-profit schools like the online schools that are for-profit depends on you know what your salary would be there but I know in Alabama the faculty position as a new faculty that's just gotten their master's degree they probably start out about sixty-five or sixty-eight thousand a year. Now that doesn't sound like a huge jump from being a staff nurse, but think about the difference. We don't have certain times that we have to be there. There's no twelve-hour shifts. We're all closed. We're out for two weeks at Christmas. We don't work holidays. You have state. If you're in a state institution like I am, you're in the state retirement system, and so there's perks. There's other benefits mm-hmm. aside from just the salary. And then you go back again, and I did and got my doctorate. And so with that, from a master's to a doctorate, when you're in academia, that's a significant increase, maybe ten or $15,000 more for that. And then each rank you make after that is just more. I actually, I don't know if you saw this on my Facebook, but I just finished my FNP also. I, did. I, did. <laughs> I passed my test on Friday. I haven't posted it because I'm waiting to get the actual thing in the mail. So I'm a certified family nurse practitioner and adult okay. gerontology clinical nurse specialist. Okay. Hold <laughs> so on, I already hold changed hold my signature on. line on my email so I can add some more letters to my alphabet behind my name. So. <laughs> So, ba- so basically, what you're saying is, when well, my kids have eczema, I call you. You no, don't call me for no derm. You call me for anything but dermatology. <laughs> oh, my goodness, <laughs> dermatology I, I ain't, no joke. ain't no joke. Ain't no joke. Hey, okay, okay, okay. I was just wondering. Look, you know, diabetes, so my- I got you. That is my baby. Diabetes yeah. is my baby. I'll do that all day. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, I was just wondering because uh, my my kids they have uh, it's fun. I'm just trying to try to look out for them, but hey, we can. I'm sure you, you know somebody. Huh? Malcolm, Malcolm can handle the pediatric derm. Mm. I'd be like, <laughs> no jokes aside, no, no, um, all jokes aside. Whenever people come into the ER, I look at the skin. I like, long as they have all their shots, I'm like, they have anything they touch. They say no. I'm like, okay, at this moment, it's gonna be contact dermatitis. Well, hey, I can always, you know, I can always, um, uh, you know, I can tell you exactly what's going on. I just need a script. I need the prescription. Right, form. right. Yeah. That's all I need. I, don't, I, I can tell you everything going on. Love him, yep. Yeah, too funny. But hey, it's been uh it's been a good oh whoa, before I uh, wrap this up, I wanna tell you um when, when did you get your uh, doctorate? That was twenty fourteen. Seven years. That's crazy, isn't it? You yeah. know what? They had when we was in nursing school, they was like I was in nursing school for a year. But they had just started the uh, DNP, and before I knew it, you know, one person had uh, one of the instructors kind of announced that they was in the program 
before you know it, it was another person. So I guess it was it was almost like uh, everybody in the in the building kind of felt like they needed to get their DNP. And so, uh, well, when I, you're I in like, academia, when you're in academia, it's an expectation that you're going to get your terminal degree because if you don't have a DNP, mm. you can't teach everything. So I knew when I got hired as faculty that. I was going to have to get my doctorate at some point. And they, you can choose if you want to get your PhD or your DNP, but I don't like research. I like practice and bedside stuff. So that's why I chose the DNP. And when they first started the program at South, they needed to do the program and graduate people and see how it works. So a lot of the faculty there went back and did it at South. Plus, you know, if you go to your school where you teach at, you get discounts. So I didn't go to South for mine. I went to the University of Alabama and got mine. But um, when it first started, a lot of the faculty there went back and got it at South right there. Yeah, they they got that hometown discounted in, you know, hometown. Hey, 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 you know. Hey, 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 listen now. Don't be saying home. You know, they probably got that hometown easy pass, too. Hey, 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 that's what I'm trying to get. You know, they, they, hey. You know, they got their hometown. Hey, I'm a little this way. You go the other way. Mm-hmm. But it's all good, though. Hey, um, we're going to try to wrap this up. Uh, it's been a good interview, Dr. Butler. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. I do have I have four girls that I'm into it now. Uh, oh. Their name is Justin Jones, uh, Ashley Taylor, Kayla Davis, and um, Sierra. Sierra Pritchett. She the only one from Grove Hill. But all of them, just as country as me, they from Jackson. Uh, Jackson Girl Head area, and um, I'm gonna have to send them your way so that uh, they can they they can know it's somebody else on their side when they down now. Cause I don't want them to feel alone. I, I I actually felt alone. I shouldn't have felt alone, but I did. And um, with them being down now, now I just uh, I need to reach out to a lot more of the instructors so that you know if you know whatever the situation is, you know they can get some help in their time of need. And, you know, not when I was teaching you guys, but maybe in the next couple of years after that, once I got, you know, used to my job there, I started mentoring students, mm. African-American students in nursing, because mm. I remember when I was a student, there were seven of us in my class. And I remember, mm. I don't know if y'all ever knew Dr. Broom. She was the only uh, black faculty member that was in an administrative position. And she left. Now she's the dean at Kent State because she told me, like I caught her in the hallway and I was like, why are you leaving? She said, because I can't go any higher here. This is as far as go. So she left and she's the the dean at Kent State. But when I was in undergrad, me and the seven little black girls in my class would go sit in her office. She didn't even teach us. We didn't know this woman. She just looked like us. So we would go sit in there during our lunchtime because, you know, that's where we felt safe to sit and eat lunch and just talk to her about the issues and how we felt like they're trying to weed us out and it's just not fair and it doesn't seem like they're really trying to help us, but they're helping everybody else. So I still remember that feeling. So I would see students and be like, hey, I couldn't just come out and be like, you need to come see me. We need to talk. So I would just say hey, you can come by my office if you just want to talk about things and try to say it where I'm not like just going and singling out that one student because that's the one that looks like me, but I know they need it. And so in doing that, even Dr. Mitchell, the Dean of Students, sends students my way that are nursing and they it's like they just seem really lost. They're not sure and they're away from home. So they don't have a parent figure here. They don't know what to do. A lot of them are first generation college students, so they don't know if they should drop the class or stay in the class and they can't call their family because they don't know. They've never done this before. And then when they go to their instructors who don't look like them, sometimes it's just kind of a the brush off because you expect me not to be able to do it anyway. So you're not really going to go out of your way to help me. And I'm not saying everybody's like that by any means, but I know there are people that are like that. Mm-hmm. And so they come and talk to me and we they have my cell number. We've gone out to lunch. I've taken a whole little group of um, mentees out to lunch one time at Applebee's. We don't have Applebee's anymore, but when we did, and they all got to meet each other. And I was like, you guys should get to know each other and help each other. And they're in all different phases. Some of them just got to South and they don't even, they're planning to be in nursing school. They're not even in anything right now. They're just taking their first semester courses all the way up to the ones that are getting ready to graduate. And those students will still, like one just texted me the other day. She graduated two years ago telling me that she's thinking about going into the military and would I write her a reference and she texts me when she got a job working at such and such hospital and it's just nice to know that they have somebody that's there that's got their best interests at heart and then when they get in there you know they get in their nursing courses like there's 
few more of us being black faculty in nursing now than there were for sure when I was there. And definitely since y'all were there, we've hired a lot more, but you don't see us because why? I teach online and graduate. So those undergrads will never see me. I'm in my office with the door closed. They never know I'm there. So when I taught undergrads, you know, I would try to speak and single them out and, you know, say hi and stuff so they would know. But most of us, once you get your doctorate, you pretty much teach doctoral courses. So you're not teaching the undergrad stuff anymore. So they don't even know we're there. So I think what you're saying with this mentorship thing is huge. They need it because they need to know somebody ground level right there where they are has been where they are and is invested in their success and that we are going to help push them to the finish line, even when it seems like they should give up because their other teachers are talking about the football game and their pets and this and this with the other students and you're sitting over here. So yeah. you come to my office and we'll talk about the football game and the pets now. <laughs> We don't have to do it down there with everybody else. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, That's beautiful. Um, Everything that you said. I know I will be sending my students your way and um, through your uh, answer, your response. I think I'm going to give a call to Dr. Hall and I'm trying to make myself accessible towards those uh, undergraduate um, students. And what I mean by that, on the first day of school, just go ahead and uh, go down now. And I'm going to see, can I have five, ten minutes to myself? You know, just us and the students or whoever the instructor is, hey, can I have ten minutes? That's all I ask. Ten minutes and just make yourself be known. A lot of times, um, I have found out a lot of the donors at the University of South Alabama College of Nursing, they don't really uh, make themselves um, known. And um, so I want to be that guy. I'm willing to um, sacrifice some time and some money to do it. But a better route for you, I would think, mm-hmm. instead of going through Dr. Hall, is going through Dr. Scott, which y'all met with her last week, Shanda Scott, because let me tell you, so we have a new officer of diversity and inclusion. His name is Paul Frazier. He is amazing. I work closely with him, with the Black faculty and staff, and his right. job, his goal is to have every college on that campus to have a diversity person, oh. and Dr. Mm-hmm. Scott just got promoted to that position on for the College of Nursing, so she is now the College of Nursing's diversity, I don't know what the title is, Director of Diversity and Inclusion, I think, so get mm-hmm. into her while she's in the process of setting up her, how she wants to go about increasing diversity and making sure we're all being inclusive and all of that, not that you're only going to go talk to the students that look like us, but that could be a, a way to get in by saying, hey, this is part of my diversity plan. I want to make sure I have people of color come and talk to the students when they first get here. Mm-hmm. So you may not even have to go through Dr. Hall. I would start with Dr. Scott and just see what she thinks and how she could maneuver because then you have an end with the person that's over all of that. And she'll just go tell Dr. Hall, this is what we're going to do. This is one of my goals for this. And this is who's going to come and be a speaker. And she may even do something where they do it, I don't know, every semester in a certain class, foundations. I mean, I don't know, but I think that would be a good starting point is her. Because I don't mind definitely Barry as well. Like, you know, they have like a forum for this where coming down and, you know, especially someone who's from that school compared to, you know, people who are like, who's from a different state or a different university who's coming in to try to teach. But you can say, no, we were in this. We are from this. We are people who first year graduates of our entire family and look at us now, these are the different things that we're doing. And, you know, they can see a resemblance because again, like I told you, Dr. Butler, because of you outside, like outside of my stepmother, I never knew anything about nursing besides everybody were white and they worked on the surgical floor. But they, <laughs> right. they can see more people of us, especially young black guys or just black yes. men in general. Cause you always see a uh, diversity of black females, regardless of, where they're from, what country, but as far as black men, it's very few of us. Mm-hmm. Very, very few. You mentioning that brings up another point because one of our, with the Black Falcon staff, we just made up this list of initiatives. I've met with the president and gotten approval for some money funding that's going to be ongoing. Just got that approved like last week. So we are like excited so we can actually do some of these things. But one of our high level initiatives is black male student retention. Mm-hmm. And you saying that it's like that falls right in line with that. And for our black male students to be able to see you, Malcolm, and that you went to South and this is what happened afterwards and how South prepared you and what you have to do when the, you're starting to struggle and you feel like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing to myself? 
and mm-hmm. Barry to see how you just came from like the story you just told about how you not that you had a um, disability, but the fact that you felt like you couldn't stand up and be, you know, all that you wanted to be. And look how it's progressed now, like on the other side of it and getting through school and being able to do anything like they can see with y'all that there are no limits. Like I always tell my kids, there's no ceilings. You can go as high as you want to go. And you just need somebody to tell you, to let you see, look up there. There's no ceiling up there. Exactly. They they don't see that unless somebody that looks like them, that shows them by example that they're doing it. So I think that's amazing. Oh, I got the chills. I'm ready to do this. Let's do it. (laughs) We need to do this. A lot of, you know, it's a testimony that I just want to tell to a lot of young black kids, especially the ones who, got in trouble because I smile all day, but I had, I've done some things when I was younger that I'm not proud of. God forbid those things when I turned 17, I am no longer associated to FBI, all, the FBI <laughs> all those background checks I've had in my life <laughs> right. not show up. Right. But I know that it can be a testimony to those black young men that, hey, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you, you can still write your own future. I am a living example of write, rewriting my future. But I definitely feel like, no, even if they don't want to go into nursing, just complete it and just know what you want to be. And as long as you complete a degree, you can still take that degree and apply it to something else in life. You know, when we put this thing together, I'm probably going to call on y'all when we oh. figure out what we're going to do for our black male students because we're trying to figure out how to work it in this is for the university, not just the college of nursing, but we're trying to figure out how to work that in without it seeming like, hey, black guys only. You know what I mean? But we were talking about maybe doing some stuff during orientation week. I, we haven't figured it out yet. And of course, COVID slowed everything down. But when we do, I really would like for y'all to come and give your testimonies if you're okay, if you're open to that. Most definitely. Or even if you don't yeah. come, we can still Zoom. I know you're not here. So, or even make yeah. little videos that we can put out for them to see and maybe keep contact information and you can kind of mentor some of them but also doesn't south alabama have this thing where it's like a black culture type organization where you know they have like the black student union yeah naacp umsa which is the office of multicultural student affairs yeah so there's a lot of organizations can be funneled through them you know secretly it's like hey come to something like this and then it ends up being something you would you know, say, oh, all black people just come here. It's kind of like. So we thought about that. And what we found is that the students that are involved in those things are the students that are doing well. It's oh, the students that uh, don't participate. They don't go to anything. That's who we need to reach. Those are the ones that just silently fall away. I think our pass rate for black students is in the 20s. And the sad thing is, it's not that many black students that get into the program. No. That's black male students. Not at not nursing. The university. university. The university. Retention. Oh. So that's huge. That's Thank why I said you. that's very high up on our list of priorities is to increase black male student retention. Um, they've started retention. some scholarships now, the 100 Black Men. I don't know if you saw that or not. Sure did. I saw that. I'm trying yeah. to word so mine new. like that. That's a scholarship program for black male students that meet certain criteria. Right, I think they actually yeah. they first um, recipient is like a, a black female that's uh, going into nursing. I can't remember her name. I had reached out to Dr. Frazier about when I, I guess whenever I come down there, I might get a chance to meet her. But yeah, I think they came over there and I've been talking to Rebecca uh, Baker about mm-hmm. that. And um, and uh, we just been you know just playing around with the language and stuff like that. But uh, eventually we'll get to that point. But yeah, everything y'all talking about is it is something that is needed. Yeah. And not only just for black men. I mean, for everybody, cause it could be yeah. some um some um white. It could be white females, and they mm-hmm. could feel not inclusive. They could be outside. I used to have friends. I actually had friends. Lord have mercy. I had friends <laughs> in the college of nurse, and they was all of them was like. For me to some a state outside of Alabama, they were from Mississippi or Florida or something like that. They didn't know anybody, and we would just text and uh, yeah. just talk to each other and stuff like that. And sometimes you just need somebody else going through the fire house, somebody that already been through the fire, and um, just need some encouragement. And yeah. so that's 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 really my my goal and mission in life now. Um, just to be a, an example for somebody else. That's awesome. You guys are doing amazing work. I'm so proud of you. So proud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel hey, like a proud hey. mama right now. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, hey. 
<laughs> hey, I I know you proud, shoe. I know my parents was proud because they ain't know what I was gonna do with my myself, boy. Hey, boy, I ain't, <laughs> hey, I, I boy, I applied for the nursing program. I ain't get in, but Miss Sue had to uh, pull a rabbit out the hat to get me in the program. So. I know, I know they probably are proud of me. I guess oh, definitely. I don't, I don't know. I assume they are proud of me. You know they proud. You know they proud. I think they are. Hey, I think they are. I think they are. But hey, you I might need to here. call I, your mama and ask her because she gonna say hey, yes. Hey, hey, maybe, maybe you need to because uh, I like to drink and cuss on here, so she don't like me to do that. But. I mean, other than that, though, I mean, I, I think I turned out all right. Most black yeah. parents would love to have me as a son. Shoot. Okay, then. All right. But, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just speaking in, hey, shoot. Hey, how many, uh, you know what? I ain't going to go down that road. I was going to say something like, uh, you know, how many how many black folks you know on a donor wall? So, I mean, yeah, you, you can't just give me too much here on now. Come on now. But uh, okay. yeah, anyway, we're going to go ahead and uh, end this interview. Yeah, it's been a good one. I have learned a lot. And I think I'm gonna reach out to Dr. Scott and see how can I be uh to some assistance when yeah. it comes to this um, you know, helping helping uh people feel more integrated with the program. Um but yes, I got a few questions that I always end on. Okay. When you ride in the work and you're on university drive, what do you have playing in your car stereo? Depends on the day now. This mm-hmm. week has been uh my gospel playlist on my cell phone, <laughs> on my iPhone, <laughs> mainly that uh, Waymaker song. Y'all know that song? Mm, I'm not gonna I don't sing it. Okay, look it up. Right, that's called, right. Don't sing it. I can't sing. It's called Waymaker. Right. And Waymaker. I like that. Uh, no weapon. Fred Hammond. Because yeah. some days mm, I just doing the feed. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> listen, listen. You have to be. You have to be prayed up, and you have to get. <laughs> listen. Yeah. So that's yeah, been this week's playlist, my gospel mm-hmm. hits. Okay. Okay, then. Tell me some uh, activities that you like to do during COVID. Ooh, when COVID first started, because I'm a crafty person. I love to do crafts and not like little crafts, okay. like big stuff. I like to do big stuff. So I went out and pretty much redid my front yard. I put, I don't like flowers, but my flower beds need to be done. So I did that. I painted my front door blue. Somebody came over the other day and they were like, your door is very inviting. And, you know, I just lit up like Christmas tree. It's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a bit, I built a bench in the front yard on the front porch that matches my blue door. And I made a little door hanger for it. Mary, why are you looking like that? <laughs> hey, I'm looking like that. Hold on, hold on. You say you built a, you built a, a bench? A bench. Yeah. I just, All right, you seen those uh, Pinterest pins with the cinder block benches? Yeah, cinder blocks and four by fours. It's uh, pretty cute. Mm-hmm. I, you know, what? I don't know how to flip the camera. I'd left over there and show it to you. Can you flip hey, the camera? I can just turn I, I it. You, see it? you gotta see. Yeah, it let me see. Let me see it then. All right. I'm like, man, hey, this woman gonna get outside with her hands and doing this. Oh, I, I'm hey. telling Both you, I tell my parents for Christmas, I need a miter saw. That's what I need. A miter saw. You need a what? Miter a saw. Miter so saw. I can, yes, okay. so I can cut. Okay, so there's my front oh. door. Oh, I like that. That's solid. I made this myself. I bought all this separate and painted it. And oh, hello! That's what it says. Yes, hello. Then I made this little table to sit out front, and then here's the wine. Yes, to drink my wine. There's my bench. Can you see it? Oh wow, that's nice right there. Hey, you built that? Yeah, it's just cinder blocks on course, and I painted it. Hey, I'm gonna be honest with you, Dr. Butler. That's a turn on. I appreciate that. Golly. <laughs> and then I was making yeah. the um, cushions to go on it, but then, you know, they started letting us come back to work and stuff, so I never finished making my seat cushions from a bench, so. Oh, yeah. okay. All so right. that's my well, COVID hey. story. <laughs> okay, wait. Well, but that answer went a normal way. He's right there. Good God about it. All right. All right, um, I, get, I get excited that, about my craft stuff, my hey, project. That's, tot- that's totally fine. This is about you, so it's totally fine. <laughs> All right, um, who are your favorite actors when you watch actors. a movie? You want? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know actually, because I watch mm. my favorite genre now is horror. It's always been oh, in drama. okay. So you know, horror movies mm-hmm. don't really have certain actors, but I've always liked right. Denzel. Like I'll watch any Denzel. Ah. 
Thank you. I've been asking that question about 20 folks, and you're the first person that say they like this. I'm like, how can you not? He is like, how y'all know everything? Yes, I mean, so can Samuel Jackson. He's a good actor, too. Yeah, he he is. So, Uh, did you know that Alexa can talk like Samuel Jackson? And I haven't figured out how to make mine do that yet, but I'm going to get it to have the Samuel Jackson voice. So, she'll probably cuss me out when I ask her what the weather is, but I'm ready to try. try. Hey, I think she would too, but hey, I like Samuel too. He more of a hustler than uh, Denzel. Denzel is a hustler, but Samuel seems like he always on the move. He do about four, five move, movies a year. Yeah, to me. Yep. Hey, my, I ain't gonna even lie. Uh, I think it was Django. I, I love, I love when uh, when Jamie Foxx show Fox. up to the uh, yeah, when Jamie Foxx show up to the house. What the man? Uh, I can't think of the white guy. But either way, he told he told uh, Samuel, "Hey, we are gonna have this guy come in here and stay in the big house. You gonna have him stay in the big house? And your daddy roll over. He's great. I ain't gonna say what he's saying. We see, but uh, hey, that is so funny to me. I love, I love that. Hey, oh, he yeah. said, who is that? Who is who is that on that head right there? He talking about Jamie Fox rode up in the horse on on the horse. He was like, who is that on that neck? Hey, man, I, I love Samuel. <laughs> He just do a good job. It seems like everything is always uh, authentic with him. Yeah, yeah. That's that what I like about him. You know, he started late in acting. So that's like he started like in his 40s. Wow, oh, really? I didn't know that. You I know, didn't um, Denzel started when he was in his young, like maybe 18, early 20s. But Samuel started like very late in life. Well, not very late, but, you know. Compared later to others, yeah. But he's considered mm-hmm. one of the highest paid black actors there are. He probably he probably is. I know um uh, I know I remember I used to watch him on the Spy Lee joints, you know, just watching him on uh, I can't think of that that movie when he played uh Gator. He was the crackhead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was the crackhead. Yeah, I mean, two days. The what? No, that was um wasn't that on Do the Right Thing? It might be Do the Right when Thing. When he was the crackhead? Yeah, I think it was Do the Right Thing. I think that right was Do the Right Thing. He played but, crackhead uh, a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah, he did. I, <laughs> hey, he did such a good job to people wanting to see him again. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, he, he just he just do a good job whenever he he on a movie. Yeah. But uh, yes, uh, Doctor Butler, uh, name one thing that you would tell your younger self. You can do anything. Mm. Don't get discouraged or feel because you feel overwhelmed, and just don't do it before you try. So just do it. Just Worst do that can happen it. is you don't make it. So at least try. That's right. That's right. That's a beautiful thing. All right. <laughs> Name one nurse that you uh think should be on our show, and if you name them, you gotta help us get them. Okay, how about let's see a nurse that should be on your show? Because you know I would say Shanna, but you already got her. <laughs> yeah, I already got Shanna. I know, right? What about you know any other time I would have like a list of people like you put me on the spot now I can't. Think. Oh, don't worry. Don't, <laughs> hey, that's why I like doing these questions because they put you on the spot. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't mind getting Loretta Jones. I was thinking Loretta. Oh, I love me so much, Loretta. Oh, hey, I can I, I, for you. I'll call her right now. Oh, that's why. Hey, I want Loretta Jones. Send them home, Jones. I, Ain't that what y'all used yeah. to call her? Send them home, Send them home, Jones. She she didn't play. She did not play. Yeah. Oh man. I, oh yeah. We we can get her. Sorry, I don't know what's happening. My phone rang and then okay, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, we can get her. I will call her and give you her contact info. Cool, cool, cool. Just graze it over for me, and uh, you know, I'll reach out to her. We get Cindy Home Jones. I think hey, that's gonna be her name of her episode right there. We are <laughs> Home Jones. <laughs> oh yes. man, that's too funny. But yes, uh, hey, I want to say uh, thank you, Dr. Butler, for being on our platform. Uh, it's been a great experience. Um, man, I have learned a lot. Hopefully, you'll be open to uh, being a guest on our show because uh, we'll be interviewing some uh, students here here in the nearby future. And uh, if you're available, I would love to have you on. I would love it. This was so much fun. And I'm so glad I got to see y'all. No. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 I'm saying make a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got to make a trip down. Uh, hey, I'm going to say this. You can tell the tree by the fruit that it bear. Hello. Hey, you have, you have bear some it. good fruit. You have bear some it. good fruit. So, no, <laughs> hey, no matter what, nobody else say, hey, if you, if you can count on us too. Hey, you all you gotta do is just look at us when you when you feel it down, you tired. That's it. 
You know, them students, they getting on your nerves, they complain about every little thing. You know what? Barry and Malcolm, they they made it through. Let me reach out to them. Right. Let me Let see me how they doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, yeah, yeah. Let me give some some inspiration. Cause I know you have been an uh, inspiration not only for me, but especially for uh, Malcolm. And we spread that knowledge that you've given us to other people. So, you know, you spread it to us and we spread it. So you're touching more lives than you ever can imagine. Aww. Sure is. Hey, 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 I'm not hey. going to cry. I'm not going to cry. So no, no, no. we need to go and finish this interview. You're saying this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I have a tough exterior, but mushy gets me every time. Like, I wouldn't even read mm. the cards my clinical students would give me until I got home. Because I was <laughs> I got you. Hey, I that's, appreciate that's it. I really thing. do. I appreciate all of that.